Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew and chapter number 10. Imagine many of you praying for those affected by the storms, all right? The tornadoes, that area is not used to storms like we often have here that uh, I don't think any of us ever get used to it here, but we've seen it more here, certainly. But do pray for those affected by the storms in those areas. I know they, they certainly need that and appreciate it. Okay, so Matthew and chapter number 10, it's always a, um, a uh, well, just a challenge as a pastor. Uh, you get close to the Christmas season. Do you, do you come out of the series and preach on Christmas? And for how many weeks do you do that, right? Um, so I chose just to stay in the series today, and God willing, next Sunday we'll just be all out Christmas, although um, today's certainly lends itself to it, but it's not not completely. Is that all right? Not completely. So I think you'll see a connection there. And even tonight, tonight may seem like a stretch, but it's not. Uh, with Patch and Pee Wee singing, we're going to have a Christmas theme, but also get into first Samuel. It's a, it's a creative approach to it. I will acknowledge that, but not a stretch. How's that? You'll just have to come tonight. Okay. And you'll see. <laughs> okay. Matthew chapter 10. And uh, let's begin our reading in verse number 26. Verse 26 really matches the song Brother Kevin was singing a moment ago. Uh, three different times he, he exhorts those following him not to fear. Fear not. Let's, let's read about it here in Matthew 10. And, and then as we get into it, we'll explain the context of these verses and the challenge here today. So verse 26 says, Fear them not, therefore... For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father." but the very hairs of your head are numbered. It's easier for some than others, right? The very hairs of your head are numbered. Well, if he cares that much about what might be considered the insignificant part of you, don't you know he cares about you? Verse number 31, again, he exhorts his disciples, Fear ye not, therefore... You're of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Uh, pay attention to verse 34 here. Not that you haven't paid attention to the other verses, but 
Just in case, tune in here to verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. You say, well, that's not very Christmassy. <laughs> well, Jesus said it. What does he mean by it? By the way, can I just point this out? If he says, I am come to earth, that means he existed prior to his birth. Because he's eternal. Okay, he says, I've come. So he's explaining his birth. He's explaining why he was born, why he came. All right, uh, look at verse number 35. He elaborates, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You say, I thought that was already going on. No, not necessarily. <laughs> and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now notice this, verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake, there's the key right there, for my sake shall find it. It's the most often quoted um, quotation of Jesus in the Gospels. That verse right there. He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, a small token, a small gift, only in the name of a disciple, verily Jesus says, I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. I realize that's a lot to take in in one setting or one reading. So we're going to make our way back through the verses. Our series, for those that are new or visiting, our series through the book of Matthew, we started a year ago, we're already at chapter 10. Jesus is king. That's our series. Jesus is king. And the title this morning is this, What Matters Most? What matters most to you? We're going to build on that. What matters most to you? It could be a question, but I want you to think about this. What matters most? In this life, what matters most? What matters most? Well, there's a lot of things that matter. What matters most? What matters most to you? Peace with God brings you into conflict with the world. Peace with God brings you naturally into conflict with the world. So let's consider these words of Jesus as you're seated. We'll get into the message here this morning.
<clears throat> I mean, I remember staying after church on a Sunday morning as a kid, about patch age, a child, <laughs> and learning Luke 2. You know, they had a little sack lunch for us and and then we began to work on our verses and everybody had their part, you know, you'd stand at the microphone and stand at the microphone and deathly is frightened of everybody that was there. And you'd say your little verse and then you'd go on to the next person. And I remember learning things like this. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and you know it, glory to God in the highest on, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. On earth, peace. I mean, the, in, the heavenly host said, peace on earth. And here Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. Which is it? Yes. Yes. The heavenly host didn't get it wrong. Neither did Jesus. Neither did Jesus. Peace with God puts you at odds with the world. The Bible talks about how that prior to our salvation, uh, we are at enmity with God in our flesh, meaning this, that before you're born again, you say, what do you mean born again? Well, you had the one birth, the first birth. You were, you were, you were born physically. Well, the Bible teaches, Jesus said, to Nicodemus, even a very religious man, which that right there tells you, religion alone is not enough to get you to heaven, okay? And so Jesus explained that you must be born again. You've got to be born spiritually to be a part, a member of God's spiritual family. And so today, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, and I, I'd want to explain more what that means, but if, if today you've only had a first birth, you've only been born once, you've never been born again, you need to be born again. You need to be born into his family and prior to that, you're at odds with God. Um, you're not at peace with God. That may be why you're here today. It may be that, that you're recognizing, I need something in my life. I, I, there's something wrong I, I need. God's been maybe bringing you here. You're not here, by the way, by, by chance. I believe you are here by the providential work of God to have you here to hear a message Today, and the Bible says, therefore, in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith. What, what that means is that we are only made right with God, declared to be right with God by faith. It's not by you doing things to make God pleased with you. You can only be right with God by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary as the ladies so well saying a moment ago that he was born in the shadow of the cross. In other words, he was born to die as your substitute, as we heard Wednesday night. But God committed this love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in place of sinners that all sinners might be saved. And the cross is in the shadow of the, the empty tomb, praise the Lord. And he's a living Savior and able to save any who would call upon him by faith. Therefore, having peace with God, uh, being justified with God, I'm sorry, by faith, we have peace with God through, listen to this, through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you have peace with God. So it is true, friend, it is true that He came to bring peace to the earth, but that doesn't mean that 
there's going to be the absence of conflict. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be war and turmoil on this old earth. And the reason that is, is because man is born with a sin nature. And thus he's at war with God. C.S. Lewis said, we are not imperfect creatures who need reformation. We are, we are re rather rebels who must lay down our arms. We're at odds with God. We're at war with God. And as a result of that, people are in conflict with one another. Well, when you're born again, when you are saved, when you believe under righteousness, you change sides. The Bible talks about how that you are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You're translated out of darkness into light. So you, you go from being of your father, the devil, as Jesus said, even to the religious Pharisees of his day, to being a child of God. So naturally then, now there's a conflict. But when you're saved, the good thing is you're on the other side. Yes, he came to bring peace. But that peace means the overcoming of sin, as one man said. He said this, and the bringing of salvation of God. And that means war with evil. So when you're born again, now you're at odds with evil. Now, there's still something in you that wants to sin. Am I right about that? Definitely. Does not mean that you are perfect or you now will not sin. No, we still sin. John said... These things have I written unto you that just sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Thank God for that. We have a lawyer, so to speak. If somebody that comes to our defense, we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But now there's a hostility that's going on between what is right and what is wrong. And oftentimes as believers, we are caught in the crossfire. We're caught right in the conflict itself. Jesus says here that, I am not come to bring peace, but I'm come to bring a sword. Did you see that? By the way, that does not mean that Jesus is leading a military revolution or that we're to take up arms and, and to be given to violence. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. The sword here is rather symbolic in saying, listen, as my disciples, you need to understand this. You're going to have conflict with the world around you. Not everyone is going to appreciate you. Not everyone is going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to be glad that you're here. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be disunity. Uh, listen to this. As one man ind indicated, he said, his coming presents a challenge to which people respond differently. For some who oppose Jesus, they do so passionately. And for others, they become one of his followers and they do so passionately. And where they're, and, and, I'm sorry, and where strong and opposed feelings are held, okay? So on one hand, let me, let me just visualize this. On one hand, there are those that oppose him passionately. On the other hand, there are those who follow him passionately. And where there are strong and opposed feelings, conflict is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. It'd be easy just to be silent. 
be easy just to go along with the world. But it wouldn't be right. Jesus gives us a test here. Will you openly identify with him or will you deny him? Will you love him above all others, even family members? How do you treat those who represent him? Would they be loyal to him even in the face of increasing difficulty? Will you be loyal? Will you be faithful? You know, uh, that question really begs our answer today as well. Will you be loyal? Will you be faithful? I find that modern day believers give up a lot easier for a lot lesser things. Leonard Raven, Ravenhill said this, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. And Jesus here is laying on the line to his disciples and saying, listen, you need to understand this. If you are seriously going to follow me, then you need to expect opposition. I wonder how honest we are with people, even as we invite people in the church and help them to get accustomed to things. And I, I think we ought to put our best foot forward. I think, you know, we ought to be very inviting and very friendly as people come in. I, 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 I try to do that as we have guests here. We've got guests here today. I enjoy, always enjoy that opportunity. But, but, but also, I believe this to be true. I believe we ought to be upfront with people to say, listen, if you're going to follow him, it's not going to be easy. Now, I don't think we meet him at the door and say, hey, listen, are you ready for a hard life? Just come right on in. I don't think that's what we're, I think we're doing right to have guest packets. I think we're doing right to have guest parking. I think we're doing right, you know, to, to, to be friendly. But at the same time, I think we really need to be clear with people that, listen, if you're really going to, if you're really going to give your life to him, then you need to understand this. It, you're, you're not going to be popular. They're, they're not going to like it at the workplace if you really stand for righteousness. Even your own family might might not want anything to do with you. They may think that you're a fanatic. They may think that you're weird. They may, well, and they may think that anyways, but they, they may have even additional reasons as to why they may think that you've, you've gone off the deep end here. I mean, you're like a, you're, you're, you're one of those people that's just like a, you're, you're at church all the time. And it's, you've lost something somewhere. Actually, you found something. In fact, let me say it better. You found someone. And actually, let me say it even better than that. He found you. And now you want to live your life for him, don't you? And, and you ought to, you ought to desire that. But listen, uh, you're going to be confronted with some decisions along the way and you're going to be met with this, this uh, choice about what really matters to you. Does it matter to you to have everybody happy with you? Does it matter to you to have the, the acceptance of the world around you? Does it matter to you to, to have the applause of men? Does it matter to you to have personal comfort? Does it matter to you to, to be able to rest in every Sunday morning? Does it matter to you to, to miss out on, uh, on football, even the Super Bowl on Sunday nights? Does it matter to you to, to come from work and do your best to get here on a Wednesday night? Does it matter that you're tired? Or does it, does it even that kind of keep you from serving God? I'm just asking this morning. What's it take to keep you from really serving the Lord? Well, this is not shaping up as a Christmassy message. But he came for this purpose, friend. He didn't come to make wimps. He, he didn't come to make sissies. 
my boys uh, are, are uh, say, you know, anyways. They're saying, you know, Dad, back in your day, they're, they're, they're just looking at it from the standpoint of football. They're saying, you know, back in your day, as I've seen some videos, he said, they were not wimps, you know, and trying to protect everything. And, and I, I'm, I understand there's been some improvement. I'm not here to argue that, but probably some things needed to change. I don't know. But they, they made this, they said this, Dad, they, they weren't wimps back in your day, were they? No. Hey, I'm just, I'm here to say Jesus didn't come to make wimps. He didn't come to make sissies. And, 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 I, and I'm not saying, you know, we're to be a tough guy or we're to be a tough family, we'll be a tough, no, that, that's not it at all. But, but here's, here's the point Jesus is saying, he's just laying it right out on the line with his disciples saying, I'm sending you to the lost sheep of Israel and I'm sending you ultimately to the Gentiles as well, non-Jews. I'm sending you to all people and you need to know this. You're going to find these three responses. Sometimes people are going to receive you and they're going to have you in their home and they're going to treat you so nice. And if you've been out visiting and you've been involved in the work of the Lord, then you know that that is true. I've been in some really nice homes. I've been invited to some really nice meals. I mean, I've been treated so nice. It's almost embarrassing. You know what I mean? I mean, just cookies and and, and sweet tea and coffee and all kinds of good stuff. I mean, I've been welcoming to some really nice places. But I've also had people at the door say, you know, I'm not interested. There's sometimes they're going to receive you and there's other times they're going to reject your message. Just yesterday I was visiting. I, I went on uh, bus number 12 with Brother Joel and we're going around to all these houses. And he was following up on a prospect and a young man about uh, 10 years old, he, he said, we understand you'd like to ride the bus. And the, and the boy looked at it. And he said, you know, I'm not really, no, not interested. And Brother Joel didn't just leave. He left him with the information. And he said this, if you ever change your mind, we'd like to have you come. Well, the young man didn't come as far as I know. Now, hopefully he'll keep hold of that card and maybe come someday. You never know. You just never know. People that don't receive you initially may receive you later. So you might be received. You might be rejected or you might be resisted. It might get to that level where it's, where it's even dangerous, where, where they're, it's not just like they're saying, no, I'm not interested, but they might get to the place where they're resisted. Now, I, I did notice this about that young man. He didn't go out there and slash our tires to keep us from going to the next house. No, he didn't. He didn't do anything like that. He just simply said, I'm not interested. Listen, Jesus is saying to his disciples, there are going to be people that will receive you. There's going to be people that, that will resist, reject your message. And then you need to know this. There's going to be people and you need to be aware of them in synagogues and in councils, even religious people that may take you and scourge you. Are you listening to me here this morning? They may whip you. They may beat you. They miss, may abuse you, they, he said. Don't let that stop you. Just shake off the dust and go to the next town. And there's going to be governments that will, that will oppose you and will oppose righteousness. And they'll set themselves against you. But don't let that stop you. You keep going. And he said, you'll be hated of all men. If you're making it your goal to be liked, then you won't be like your Savior. He said you'd be hated. There's going to be hostility. One man said it this way. When they're completely faithful, they cannot expect to be universally liked. You will not be. But just move on. Just move on to the next situation. And you may even be rejected by your own family. But here's what you ought to do. Don't be afraid. 
Don't let, don't let that stop you. Because the worst they can do to you is kill you. Well, you say, that sounds rather serious. <laughs> yes, it's a very valid point. Absolutely. But they can't take your soul. They can kill your body, but that's it. The worst thing that can happen to you today is that you die. But actually, when you know Jesus, that's the best thing that can happen to you. Because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. He says, fear not. Fear not. Don't fear those. We're, we're going to get into it now. He says, fear not them. Fear not, therefore. In other words, look at verse number 26. Can you, can you join me there? He says, there's not anything covered that's not going to be revealed there's not anything hid that won't, that won't be made known. In other words, he's saying this, their evil plots, their evil agendas, even though they may make it look good to the world and even acceptable with the world around them, they've got a sinister plot and man may not know about it, but God does. What do you mean, preacher? What are you talking about? Well, don't you even know? Don't you know, rather, I'm sorry, that, that the Jews tried to uh, make everything acceptable with the Roman government in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They made it legal. It was wrong. I said it was wrong to kill an innocent man. It was wrong that Jesus should die. He was an innocent man. Even Pilate himself said, I find no fault with him. He's an innocent man. But what they did is they were vying for legislation that would make their sin legal, acceptable. It was an agenda. It was a plot. I'm here to tell you, friend, just because the Roman government or any government, including the government of the United States of America, even though a government may call something legal, does not make it right in the eyes of a holy God. Slavery has always been wrong. And just because at one time it was legal in the United States of America does not make it right. And I'm glad it came to an end. But that same principle also applies to the taking of the life of the innocent in the form of, a, of abortion, which is the world may say in the, and in our Supreme Court even recognized and made it legal and said a woman has a right to abort her baby. But in the eyes of God, friend, it is still murder. Even though the world may call it legal, it does not make it right with God. And the same thing is true about marijuana or alcohol or same-sex marriage or whatever else that man wants to legalize. Just because they have the endorsement of a government does not mean they have the endorsement of a holy God. God will reveal the sinfulness of man. There's not anything hid that won't be revealed. There's not anything covered that won't be revealed. So what I told you in secret, go tell it on the housetops. <laughs> Housetop was flat in their day, and it was right there where they could get a, a, an audience with all kinds of people that were walking by. In other words, he's saying, by the way, hang on, the reason that we ought to be very vocal with our message is because of its source. I said, the reason you ought not be silent about being a Christian at the workplace or silent about it in your family or silent about it wherever. And the reason that we ought not to be silent about morality is because of its source. 
What's happened is that we've just kind of kept these holy ideas within the confines of these walls and within the walls of our home, and we haven't taken it to the walls of government. We haven't taken it to the walls of, of public school systems, and it's no wonder we are where we are because we've been pretty quiet about this. Jesus said, what I told you in secret, go proclaim. Don't, don't be silent about it. I realize, you understand the pragmatic side of this, that if I just be quiet about it, I can keep my job. If I just be quiet about this, I can keep my house. If I just be quiet about this, I can keep my friendship. If I can be quiet about this, nobody will think I'm weird at work. What really matters to you? There's not anything secret that's not going to be revealed. In other words, God's going to reveal every sin. He's going to reveal every right. In fact, the believer ought to live a totally open life and make it as public as possible. I don't know why it is that we are so easy to talk about the weather and sports, but not about the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, the minute you mention Jesus, everything changes. Well, that's true. People get a little bit uneasy. What are we supposed to do? Just be quiet about it? No, here's what we ought to do. Verse number 28, fear God rather than man. Fear God. If you fear God, that's the fear that cancels out all other fears. Fear God. Then you don't have anything to fear. I fear God. I'm not trying to get the approval of man. Fear God, not man or any group of men. Fear God. Again, they can only kill your body, not their soul. But here's who you ought to fear. Fear the one who can destroy both your body and soul in hell. In other words, what he's saying here is not annihilation. The Bible nowhere teaches annihilation. Do you know what I mean by that? The Bible nowhere teaches that, that when you die, that the flames will just burn you up and you'll be gone. No, Jesus said that in hell, the rich man who was not saved lifted up his eyes being in torments. The Bible does not teach annihilation. The Bible does not teach a, a metaphorical view of hell. That it's just some metaphor. No, Jesus taught. Are you listening to me? If you're not saved here today, you need to know this, that there is a literal place called hell that has literal flames. And if you're not saved, then you'll go there. But if you'll trust Jesus, you'll never go there. But Jesus said that he'll destroy body and soul in hell. In other words, it's a place of eternal suffering. That's a reason enough for us not to be silent about Jesus and silent about the faith and silent about what's right and what's wrong. And that's a good reason why we ought not just tell people what they want to hear and make them feel like everything's all right, everything's okay. There, there's, you know, it doesn't matter what you want to believe. No, listen, friend, it matters eternally what you believe. Jesus says, don't fear man. Don't fear those that would, would come against you. In fact, the only reason we'd fear is out of self-interest. What matters to you? Well, if you put yourself in such a place of fear, of such a place of possible rejection, then you need to know God will take care of you. Are not, are not uh, what does he say here? Look at it again in verse number 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? You know how much a farthing is? One, si one sixteenth of a denarius? Does that help anybody? <laughs> Didn't me either. 
how about this? It's less than half an hour's work wage. Less than half an hour's work wage. In other words, it's the cheapest thing you can buy in the marketplace. And yet not one of them falls to the ground without the father knowing about it. He cares about, uh, he cares about the cheapest bird. He cares about your hair. Somebody said bald guys are closer to the Lord because there's not a hair between us. <laughs> I heard this. I said about a bald guy. You know, when you start losing hair here, you're a thinker. When you lose hair here, you're an athlete. When it joins together, you just think you're an athlete. There's a lot of ways you can apply that. Somebody estimated, I have no idea how they did this, but that there's 100 to 200,000 hairs on your head. That's a lot. Now, I get a discount literally at the barbershop. They're charging me for a finder's fee, I think, is one person saying. Jesus said, don't you know the very hairs of your head are numbered? The very hairs of your head are numbered, are numbered. That means they're counted. Addition or subtraction, they're counted. The point being this, if he cares about those minor details, friend, listen, he cares about you. Yeah, you're going through a hard time. Yeah, things are difficult. Yes, they, they're, not, they're not accepting you. Even your own family is trying to push out whatever it is. I mean, you're, you, it may not be related to the faith, but you're going through some type of a difficulty. Listen, here's the assurance of the word of God. Nothing escapes the awareness of an omniscient God. He knows what you're going through and he cares about you. Down to the very minute detail. Therefore, he brings us now to verse number 32, where he says, Wherefore, or therefore rather, confess me before men. In other words, publicly pledge your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an open declaration of, I belong to him. Regardless of what comes, I belong to him. In Daniel chapter 3, as the Hebrew young men, they were the only three standing there and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Here's what they found. The Lord was standing with them. They acknowledged him. He was with them. Jesus says here, but if you deny me, then I deny you. The, the bar is the throne of God. The bar is the, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the bar is the courtroom of heaven. Yes, you may be brought into the courtroom of men and they may ask you, why do you believe as Paul was? Paul was stood before Felix. Paul stood before Festus and Agrippa and he stood and he reasoned with them of righteousness and of the judgment to come and they trembled. Why? Because they realized the way they were living wasn't right and they were going to have to give an account for it someday. Paul was bold, not because he was arrogant, but Paul was bold because he was convinced there's a living Savior before whom you'll stand someday. And Jesus said, if you uh, confess me, I confess you before the Father in heaven. And if you deny me, I deny you before the Father in heaven. In other words, if you don't have a real relationship with me, then I can't say I have had a relationship with you.
Your own enemies may be the, friend, the people of your own family. This is going to cost you something, but what matters most to you? What matters most to you? We're getting to that. What matters most? A son who's at odds with his father, the head of the home. That was the most important relationship in terms of their society. But what if a son accepted Jesus, but a father said, if you accept him, you're out of this home. You realize that happens today. And then if a daughter, the same thing with a mother, that would also be a very serious, and even the mother-in-law and the, and the daughter-in-law, I mean, that was a serious situation because the daughter-in-law married into that young man's family and was to be loyal to that family. But he's saying this, he's saying, listen, above even your own family members, you need to be loyal to me. And let, let, me, let me say this to you. If Jesus is not God, that's a lot to ask. But the fact that he is God, Jesus is God, means we ought to be loyal to him above your family. And that doesn't mean, I mean, there's so much admonition throughout scripture that talks about a father loving a son and a son loving a father and all the family members. Listen, he's not saying don't, don't love your family. No, he tells us to love our family. But when you have a decision to make and it's down to who you're going to obey or it's down to what you're going to do or it's whether or not you're going to really live for God, then it comes down to that, then choose to live for God rather than for man's. And living for God may be a lonely business. You've got to be willing to take up your cross. I'm looking at verse number 38, and everyone there would have understood what Jesus was talking about. The cross was a one-way journey. In other words, you didn't come back from that. And what Jesus is saying here is, I, I call on you my, as my disciples to take up your cross on a one-way journey. In other words, don't go back. And be willing to take that journey even by yourself. In other words, following Jesus, as you know, means dying to self. Dying to self. And if you, verse number 39, look at it. He, if you find your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life, you find it. You say, what, what does that mean? That means this. If you say, I don't want to give my life to the Lord. I don't want to serve God with my whole life. I realize that that'll cost me. If I'm going to lead my family to serve the Lord, then that's going to mean I'm committing to the Lord and Sunday school and a holy way of life. It's going to cost you something, isn't it? It's going to cost you something if you choose to follow God. But if you try to hold on to your life, the Bible says you lose it. In other words, you just wasted your life because you, here, here's why. You spin it on yourself. But if you say, God, I don't want to use my life for myself. I want to let you use my life. He said, you found it right there. You found it. And he notices, notices how we choose to serve him. In verse 40 through 42, he's talking about receiving the preachers that come and, and the reward and even a cup of cold water will not go unnoticed to God. In other words, God notices the sacrifices that you make and the decisions that you make to follow him. Jesus is, is calling them to be loyal even if it gets tough and it will get difficult. I want you to be loyal 
even when it gets difficult. And they would be loyal if he, listen now, they would be loyal if he mattered most to them. Because what matters most to you depends on who matters more to you. Let me run that by again. What matters most to you really depends on who matters more to you, you or God. Which matters more to you this morning, you or God? What matters most to you depends on who matters more to you. What matters most to you depends on who matters more to you. Who matters most to you? Well, most, most of us would, be, would, would say, you know, really, I got to be honest, I tend to be selfish. Anybody else here? Yep, we tend to think about ourselves, don't we? Well, God is calling on us to lay our lives down. Who matters most to you? Well, that's determined by who matters more to you. What matters most to you is determined rather by who matters more to you. Let's do a check. What does your use of time say about what matters most to you? Does your life reflect I'm here to serve the Lord? Or does your life reflect I'm here to serve myself? We need to start a new bus route. We've got the means to do it. We've got a bus to do it. We've got a bus route right now that is busting at the seams. So much so that it's running a van. We've got about mm, probably eight to 10. Actually, they're making two trips. So uh, then they're filling that van up, maybe 11 or 12, and then going back out and getting some more. Bus 12. Just worked on it yesterday. We need to start a new route. Who'll be willing to? What matters most to you? Well, my Saturday mornings, man, that's my Saturday mornings. I'm not saying everybody needs to come out and work that bus route, but somebody needs to. Who'd be willing to drive it? Got to have a driver. Got to have a driver on Sunday mornings that's uh, got an official license. That'll help. I've got one. I could do it, but I probably need to be here getting ready for sermon. It'd probably help. I know some pastors that do work a bus route. I miss it. To be honest with you, I miss working a bus route. I miss being around kids. It was awesome yesterday to be around kids again. Who'd do that? Well, man, Saturday and Sunday? We take off when it's cold, right? We take off when it's hot, right? No, friend, we're in Oklahoma. One Sunday is going to be cold. One Sunday is going to be hot. We can't, we can't wait to see what the weather is going to be to run them. I'm just saying we got to have people that are willing to give their time. Say, Lord, uh, it's not my time. It's your time. What matters most to you depends on who matters more to you. Well, since that one went over so well, how about, uh, how about your giving record? Does your giving, does your uh, account record, uh, you say, preacher, you're just about out of time right now. It's 1159. You're supposed to be coming in for the landing. Too late to talk about giving. I got a minute, right? Yeah. Does your... Um, does your giving, does your, 
financial record. We look at your statement from whatever bank you bank with, online banking, we can look and see. If we pulled it up here on the screen, would it reveal? I'm not saying we're going to do that some Sunday. <laughs> I guarantee we'd have everybody's attention right there, though. <laughs> would it reveal that you're doing the basic part of the Christian life in tithing? I mean, just the basics, given 10% of your income. You say, 10%? What? What matters most to you is determined by who matters more to you. He's worthy. He's worthy of 10%. In fact, let me, let me say this. He's worthy of 100%. He's worthy of everything. And, and so your giving ought to reflect, your financial records ought to reflect, you know what matters most to me, matters most? It's not what all I can have or or how big my home is, or in fact, we ought not to allow our spending to determine our giving, but we ought to allow our giving to determine our spending because he matters more than we do. And then your talent. Many of you are very talented in many different areas, many different ways. Is it reflecting that the way you're allowing that talent to be used is for God rather than for yourself? Could be you say, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to try because I can embarrass myself. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I just don't, and you may be gifted to teach, but you don't want to run the risk of looking foolish and doing so. You're going to hide that talent in the, in the ground and it's not going to be used of God. And what you're doing is your self-interest is keeping you from being used of God the way that he wants to use you. Or you've got a beautiful voice. You could sing. You could sing. You can make a skillful, joyful noise, a loud noise, okay? And you can be up here in the choir. There's some seats that are open. I realize we actually, we, we do have a, a waiting list for the choir. A lot, of, a lot of these that are in choir also work in other areas. Um, in fact, uh, 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 some of you maybe ought to be up here singing in the choir. Some of you shouldn't be. Thank you. I'm just simply saying this. Maybe somebody here that has a fantastic bass or, or, or tenor voice or a soprano or an alto, but just not being used of God because really you've just been living for yourself. What matters most to you depends on who matters more to you. Would you ask yourself that question this morning and we're done. Who matters more to you you or God, who matters more? I can tell you who matters to Him. You matter to Him. Down to your very number of hairs, you matter to God. And He wants to use you. But you've got to take up your cross. Father, this morning I thank You for Your Word. It confronts us. There's no way around it because we're prone to selfishness. It just flat confronts us. And shows us where we are selfish and self-serving, even as Christians. And that's not Christ-like. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, you would help us to apply this message in our lives, to our lives. And that we would be loyal followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, even when life gets difficult. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together here this morning.